0: It's only in America do people trample each other the next day after Thanksgiving to buy more stuff exactly one day after being thankful for the stuff they already have. I don't think there's, any, I don't think there's anything that depicts us more today than to know that Black Friday is a quick ending to thankfulness. And that's why today I really felt Friday night, the Holy Spirit started to speak to me that I want to share with you something that God put on my heart. A few years ago, Cindy and I went into, I want to say this very clearly, Cindy and I went into the best debt we have ever gone into. The best debt we have ever incurred, um, and it was it was um, a substantial amount. We had the privilege of taking care of of my 101-year-old aunt for the last two years of her life. It was the greatest privilege that we had. I'm so thankful for even my wife. This is a woman that has pastored for 42 years on the Upper West Side in Manhattan, and she pastored a church up there, and her final two years, she came and lived with us. We put her in an in a, in a incredible place, and I'm telling you, she came to a spot where all of her savings and everything was, was gone, and we, we felt that this was the best debt to incur, to take care of one of God's choicest servants. And I'm so thankful for my wife that made the decision. And she, it's not even her aunt. She said, Tim, this is good debt. And I have to tell you what would happen every single time we would go see my aunt Anne. For two years, from 99, 100, and 101 years old, we would walk into this place... Where she was at, she would grab our hands. She'd start caressing it, and with tears coming down her eye, uh, down her eyes, she would look at us and thank us for taking care of her. She would say, "Thank you." She she had all of her wits together till the very day that Jesus took her home, and would thank us every single day. I remember telling our general overseer about this, Pastor Carter, and when I told him, I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, if you're going to be stuck on any note, it's good to be stuck on gratitude. And folks, that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want us to be stuck on gratitude today and believe that God is going to begin to help us going into this season. That we're not going to get caught up in a Black Friday when God is asking for a life of gratitude. With with all of us here today we either take things for granted or take things with gratitude. And today, can we make a decision to be stuck on gratitude today? Father, may your Holy Spirit guide these next few moments as we begin to realize the amazing grace of God that's part of our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Thanksgiving is really the language of heaven. It really is. I think when people begin to join together and people begin to join the chorus of heaven there's nothing but praise and gratitude that begins to come. Revelation 11 begins to tell us this. It says that before God they fell with their faces to the ground and worshiped them. and then the first words out of their mouths are this, "We give thanks to you, O Lord God." It's the language of heaven. And just as I'm committed to wanting to be grateful and Cindy and I are committed to making or asking our children to be grateful for whatever, for all God's blessing, I think God is committed to his own children for gratitude. You know what's amazing is that we, each of us that are sitting in this place, have 86,400 seconds in each day. And the question on the floor is this, have you used one of those seconds today just to say, thank you, God? just to say thank you God for what you have done in my life. Thank you that I'm breathing still. I'm still here. To... Folks, can we use one of those seconds today? Would you just lift your hands and just say thank God, thank you Lord, for all that you've done for us today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. See, this is what happens, this is what's amazing. There was an old Christian writer, i want to teach you a prayer today. There's an old Christian writer that taught me a prayer. That I will say, I wrote this in a prayer journal, and I try to say it as much as I can. Listen to what this 17th century prayer this man taught me. He said this, thou hast given me so much. Give me one more thing, a grateful heart. That's what I want. I want God, I want a grateful heart. I want God to begin to constantly begin to put, put in my heart a gratefulness every day that I'm using more than one of those 84,000 seconds to give him praise and to give him gratitude and thanks. And you know what I begin to learn? Listen close, listen carefully, is when there's a grateful spirit, it's hard for complaining to live in a grateful spirit. Grateful spirit really creates a soil that complaining can't grow in. And dissatisfaction and discontent can't even grow in that. I remember the days before there were Kindles and iBooks and and e-readers. How many remember the days that you had to go to a place called, get ready for this, libraries? Anybody remember libraries? Microfish and card catalogs that you had to pull out? Those are that's, that's what we used to do with all the other cavemen. We used to pull out the card catalogs and go through those. I just read the story won't even use his I won't even use his last name. 44-year-old man named George is now went to the courts right here in New York City because he has 500 books that he didn't, he didn't check in. They're overdue at the New York library and the money compounded. He owes $31,000 and faces jail time for, over, for, for books that are overdue at the New York library. I just thought to myself, I'm going, how ridiculous is that? But you know what began to hit me? You know what's worse than overdue books? Is overdue gratitude to God. Is to miss those moments to say, thank you, God. Thank you for all that you've done in my life. Thank you for all that you've meant to me. Thank you for taking care of me. I wrote a thank you note that I try to write every year, and I've written it for 15 straight years. I emailed it just two days ago because I was, I was hitting the time about when it actually happened. One of the most memorable trips that I've ever taken, Pastor Carter and Pastor Teresa were there with Times Square Church and David Wilkerson, the founder of the church, was to Israel when Pastor Carter and Pastor Dave did a pastor's conference in Jerusalem. And while they were there, um, Cindy and I had the opportunity to go over and join with them. And I remember coming back because of all the preaching schedule that Pastor Carter and Pastor David had. Pastor Dave asked me, says, when you fly back into JFK, would you go ahead and preach that Sunday um, when we get back? And I remember landing in JFK, staying at what used to be called, right next to the church called the Novotel, and staying there. And when I finished preaching, I went back to my hotel room that night. We had a wonderful service. And then I remember getting up the next morning... And I couldn't move. I was in excruciating pain. I don't, I don't remember anything that I did differently. I couldn't lift my arm, my my, my neck, everything was uh, from my neck, my back, and my arm was in excruciating pain. had no idea. It was a miracle that I got on a plane just to get home. And I was supposed to go the next day to the West Coast to do something over there. And the doctor just never, has never seen me in this kind of pain, shot me with so many steroids that he said to me, his words to me was, he said, I put as many steroids in you as I did for a woman that was in labor, and it did nothing, and something was going on. One doctor before the MRI, uh, that, because there's so many sub-stories to this, let me just tell you this one. One doctor gave uh, that we went to before the MRI and gave to me, three months of percocet and said you can take this to get rid of the pain and folks i am telling you i took half of a tablet one night and i realized my it it started to play with my mind i knew that this was a spiritual battle i knew that the enemy was going if i can't get him over here then i'll get him over here and addicted to something and i remember that night I took three months of Percocet and I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and said the verse from the cross where Jesus refused the sop to ease the pain. And I remember saying, I'd rather have my wits about me praying to God than be under the influence of any narcotic. And I remember taking three months of it and pouring it down the toilet bowl to say, God, you've got to take care of this. You've got to do this. The miracle was... Is that we had a friend that led to the Lord, one of the number one neurosurgeons in America, and even in the world, who said, I want you to come here, and I want, I want to take care of this. He said, you will feel better in one day. He said, in one day, you will feel better. Now, folks, let me just say this. I believe in Dr. Jesus, but sometimes Dr. Luke helps also. And so you have to understand, I start with Dr. Jesus... But if Dr. Luke is in it, now folks, why would the Apostle Paul travel with a doctor in the book of Acts if Dr. Luke didn't matter? So we start with Dr. Jesus, and then if we have to go to Dr. Luke, we pray that Dr. Jesus would guide Dr. Luke on this situation. How many are with me on that? Okay, let me tell you what happened. I went to meet with that surgeon, and this is what they found out. They found out that a disc has slipped in my back and was pushing into my spinal cord. And they said this to me, they said, if you get in any head trauma or even a rear end of an accident, they said you have six hours, Um, and if you don't have surgery within those six hours, then you risk the possibility of being paralyzed from your neck down. And so he says, that's why we need to do surgery. He said, what we're going to do is we're going to take a disc from a cadaver and put it in you. I said, okay, hold on. This guy better be saved, whoever's, whatever, whatever person. I don't want any atheist. I want a Jesus Holy Spirit. He goes, well, we don't know. I said, well, I'll pray over it. But here's what happened. He said to me these words. He said, we have to talk to you about the risks. He had all the nurses in there, the surgeon, Cindy and I were in there. He said, we're going to go through your neck. We're going to move your larynx, put the disc in, fuse you with a titanium plate, four titanium screws, and then sew you up. He says, but here are the risks. Number one, he said, sometimes surgeons have touched the spinal cord and you could be crippled for the rest of your life. I said, is there any more? He says, there's one other. Sometimes they'll cut the larynx and you can't speak for the rest of your life. I said, now we have a problem. I said, because I can be in a wheelchair and preach, but I said, but I have to have my voice because I want to proclaim this gospel. And so I'll never forget that that moment as i was talking to dr luke church i remember Looking at that room and I said we're going to call upon Dr. Jesus and I sat there with four nurses and a surgeon and I laid hands on every single one of them that God would lead them and guide them at that moment I wasn't leaving that room without praying Dr. Jesus being in charge of that surgery and God guided him thank God he led them thank God he's done all of that and what I do and I woke up the next morning thanking God that the pain was gone So every year for 15 years, I send an email or a text message. If the number was still the same, I would send a text message for some of those years to say, thank you, doctor. Thank you for what you've done because you took away the pain. You took away something in me that it was unbearable for almost six weeks. I couldn't even deal with it. And when I, after I wrote this on Friday, I wrote it, God began to speak to me about gratitude. And I thought, if I feel this way in 15 years There was this man in the New Testament who had been stuck on gratitude for 30 years and felt so grateful for what God has done in his life. It was so expressive and emotional. And here's the thing, Times Square. God didn't fix his back. God fixed his soul. God didn't fix him physically. God fixed his life spiritually. And it was the Apostle Paul, 30 years later, He was saved, born again in Acts chapter nine in AD 34. And 30 years later, he pens something in in one of the last epistles that he writes in in, in 1 Timothy. 30 years later, he is talking about what God has done in his life as he's thinking through the pain that he caused God and how God has shown mercy to him. And I kept thinking about this. I'm going, if I'm writing this to a surgeon about my back, how much more do we have to be thankful to God for what he has done for our lives and our souls today? And this is what the apostle Paul has done. Paul is stuck on gratitude 30 years later. He is thanking God for saving him. He is recounting the past and the present and the future. Let me read this to you. This is what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. He says this, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful. Because he considered me faithful by putting me into his service. And even though I was formally, these are going to be important later, a blasphemer, a persecutor, and even a violent aggressor. He says this, yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief and the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and the love which are found in Christ Jesus. And then he says this, This is a trustworthy statement. This statement, you can take it to the bank. It deserves full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost of all. And for this reason, I found mercy that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example of those who would believe in him for eternal life. This is incredible. This is after 30 years, and Paul is thinking that, uh, that I believe Paul is thinking of the past, the present, and the future. The past, the present, and the future. What, 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 I, what Paul is doing is he is ashamed, I think, for what he has done, but yet astounded that God would use him and amazed that his life can even speak to those that have yet to be saved. This is what I think he was doing. I think Paul was thinking of the past. And the present of the future, the past, what he was. That was the violent aggressor, the blasphemer, the persecutor. And then all of a sudden he was thinking of the present, what he was and what he's doing. That I'm preaching this gospel despite of what I was back then. And then this is what blew me away. He was thinking of the future of those who would eventually believe. That they could look to his life and go, man, God changed him, God can change anybody. That really it was a gratitude that looked in three directions is what I see. That when Paul thought of his past, he was thankful for the grace of God. When he thought of what he used to be, he was thankful for what God has done inside of him. When Paul thought of the present, he was even thankful that God would use him Thinking, you know all this of what I've done and who I am, and yet you would still use me. And finally, when Paul thought of the future, this is what's important. We'll get to this. He was thankful that his conversion would give hope to those that would be saved in the future. He was saying that that, that what happened in me could even happen in others and i see a gratitude that says it like this you know what i see what it's saying let me make it real simple i think paul was saying this here's what the past is telling me you ready for this church god's grace is bigger than any sin you've committed i want you to think about that what you have done or what you what 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 has happened in your past can i just tell you god's grace is bigger God's grace is abundant. God's grace is able. Once you hear Paul's bio, you start to realize this is amazing grace of what God has given to him. You know what the present is? I think God, God, Paul is just saying this, I can't believe God would use me. Not only is grace bigger than any sin I've committed, but I can't even believe that God would use me. This is amazing. It's the grace there, it's the mercy here, and then the hope. If God can get a hold of me, you ready for this? Then God can get a hold of anyone. That's what he was saying. That's really what it was. So I I, I want to just take a few moments to get us stuck on gratitude, to take a page from Paul as we go into this Thanksgiving week. I want us to take a page from Paul. Maybe those who are watching online are new converts that maybe you've been born again only over the last six months. I wanna get you equipped going into this this Thanksgiving season. And Paul knew, you ready for this church? Paul knew exactly who is responsible for what has happened in his life. Here are the opening words. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord. You know what he was saying was, it's not church, it's not a denomination, it's not a religion. There's no synagogue, mosque, cathedral, or church that can do this for me. Jesus Christ did this in my life. Jesus was the one that did this. This is what Paul was doing. And, and let me just say something. Paul was unashamed, just like our choir sang, not ashamed of this gospel, because they were singing Romans 1.16, and neither was Paul. He says, I don't care. And, and we would call this not being politically correct to say, to say that today. I'm telling you, it was not only not politically correct back then, you could die for saying that. And Paul, because Paul was using a phrase Throw that phrase back up there, I thank Jesus Christ, because this is important. When you use that word Lord, that was the word that was used for the emperor. He took the emperor's word and said, talk about not being politically correct. This would even be inciting If you were to use this phrase, and Paul goes, it's not a matter of being politically correct. I just know who to thank for the change in my life. And let me just tell you something. If you sit here changed today, it's not a church. It's not a preacher. It's not a pastor. You ready for this? It's Christ Jesus, our Lord, that has changed you. And we live in a time that will try to get you to thank everybody else except that name. And there's only one name that's responsible. I love the story of a a young Christian boy that was in elementary school that loved Jesus, but he knew that he couldn't even say the name Jesus in his elementary school, or there could be repercussions. And so they asked him in this public school to write a paper on the origins of Thanksgiving before they took off for the holidays. And I love what he wrote. He said, the pilgrims came here seeking freedom of you know what, when they landed, they gave thanks to you-know-who, and because of them, we can worship each Sunday you-know-where. And let me just tell you something. I'll go ahead and define it. Jesus Christ makes it all possible. That's what this is all about. So let's get stuck on gratitude like Paul did 30 years later. So let's take it from past, present, and future and follow with me, and hopefully this will get us all the way through that when we get to Black Friday, we can go, hold on there, and I could save you some money. Here's number one, the past. God's grace is bigger than any sin that I've committed. Listen to Paul again. Even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a violent aggressor, one version calls it insolent, and we're, we're gonna get to that word, because this, this is an important word here. He said, yet, I was shown mercy. This is God's grace getting big. I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And then this verse, listen to this. He said, and the grace of our Lord was more than abundant. That, now that phrase, hold on to that. The grace of our Lord was more than abundant. It's a grace that dealt with those three giant words of the verse we just read. More than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus another version it's one of my favorite ways that that abundant grace says. it says but the grace of our Lord rose higher than my sin so folks I'm just telling you tell me anything you've committed grace goes higher anything you can say I, I don't know if God can forgive me I'm telling you grace goes higher it rose higher than my sin and when I think of this Oh, I know I'm going to step out on a limb of this, but I, but I need to. When I was reading this on Friday night and my heart was just bursting with thanksgiving to thank God that grace rose higher than my sin, I can't, I can't read those words and think about even my own past when I kept thinking about one of my favorite verses of one of my favorite hymns, that, that third verse of It Is Well that says, my sin oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin not in part, but the whole is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Can we do this? Listen, I know we just had worship service. I can't can't read that. Come on. We have to just pause for a second. Come on, just say this way. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glory. Yes, thought my sin. Come on, my sin—not in part, but the whole. Hallelujah. His nail to the cross, and I. Beg- verse again my sin oh the bliss come on my sin oh the bliss of this glory my sin not in part not in part but the whole hallelujah his for just a moment. Paul, Paul uses three words, and they're just not any three words. It builds to this dark, sinful climax. Think of it. He says, I'm a blasphemer. I'm a persecutor. I'm a violent aggressor. The things that Paul begins to mention, church, I want you to get this. He starts from blasphemer, people that have—he said, "I've said bad things about the people of God, the church, even Jesus." And there are some that are sitting here, even some watching online. You have done that. You have said things against the church. All oh, those preachers are just out for money. There it is—that that offering thing. They're always doing that. They're always asking for money. Always ask. And and listen. Here's what's incredible. Paul was the worst. And then it says this. He was a persecutor. It says he found. This is what's amazing legal ways by getting papers read about it in acts 8 and acts 9 he would go through the courts and there's some people listening or that may get a link to this that you are a lawyer or in the legal system possibly even a judge that have found ways to persecute the church and I want you to understand me now that's exactly what Paul did he found papers got papers from the authorities to hurt the church God's church that he bought with his blood. And then this is the one that got me. And all the way to a violent aggressor. This is a real terrible word, church. Where the first one is, is speaking it, persecuting, is finding a legal way. This word actually describes someone who is out to inflict pain for the sheer joy of it. It's something, it's a word that means something seriously broken inside of a person that says, I find joy in persecuting and inflicting pain upon these Christians. And Paul says, that was me. You know what's amazing? Look at those three words again. Blasphemer, persecutor, violent aggressor. Folks, think of it. Think of what you just saying. My sin, not in part, hallelujah, but the whole. It was as if God goes, hey, I can do blasphemer, but I can't do persecutor. God goes, I forgive. There's a grace that goes higher than blasphemer. There's grace that goes higher than persecutor. And there's grace that goes higher than even somebody who's broken that is violently aggressive against the church. The grace of our Lord rose higher than our sin. That's why I'm telling you folks, I don't care who you are. You could be this, what you feel is a horrible person or you could be the most respectable person. I like what D. Martin Lloyd-Jones said. He says it takes the same grace of God to save a respectable person as it does the most horrible person in the world. We all need the grace of God here today. Every single one of us. I struggled, I struggled with even reading this today. One of the things that... David Wilkerson encouraged me to do was to even go back at times and read some of the great Puritan writers. And there was one that I read, his name was Thomas Goodwin. And he wrote, and and, and these men, let me just tell you something. When they used to preach, I've read their sermons and I've read their history. When they would have a church service, you better thank me. They would preach for two to three hours. You better thank Pastor Carter, Dr. Teresa, two to three hours. We may have a Puritan Sunday, one day and go two to three hours of the word. I'm just kidding. They said that they, you, there used to be a man that walked around with a pole and it was called a knocker. It was a pole with a string and a wooden ball that if you fell asleep, they drop the ball on your head that they would walk through the audience. How many of you know, like, I'd be a violent aggressor at that point? I would have a problem there. Thomas Goodwin was one of those men whose words really challenged me, but there was nothing that challenged me more than a letter that I read that he wrote to his son. It was a letter that I was even thinking, do I read this? But it was a letter he said to his son, and I'm so happy... um, my son is back home from college and visiting. Um, Cindy and I and have all the children together for the holidays. And what was amazing, my, uh, I'll just tell this quick story. My son um, flew in last night from Liberty University um, to be with us, and what's crazy is this, while he's worshiping today, when the service ended, he turned around and there's one of his professors in the 10 a.m. service here at, at Times Square. And so she was here, we prayed for his professor that God would use her, and uh, just an amazing time. But what was incredible was, Thomas Goodwin sends a letter to his son. He says, when I feel my heart getting cold, and my preaching getting cold, he says, this is what I do. Listen to these words, because it's exactly what Paul did. Here it is, church. He writes this to his son. He says, when I'm threatening to become cold in my ministry, when I feel Sunday morning is coming, and my heart not filled with amazement at the grace of God, or when I'm making ready to give the Lord's Supper, He says, do you know what I do, my son? He says, I used to take a turn up and down the sins of my past, always going up and down with a broken and contrite heart, realizing that I couldn't preach unless the forgiveness of sins, unless I remind myself on how I've been forgiven. He says this, listen to these words. He said, I don't think I ever went up to the pulpit that I didn't stop for a moment at the foot of the pulpit, took a turn up and down among the sins of my past, I don't think I've ever planned a sermon that I didn't think about what God has saved me from and took me through. He says, and many a Sabbath morning when my soul had been cold and dry for lack of prayer during the week, I'd go up and down my past life before I went into the pulpit. And always it broke my hard heart and made me close with the gospel for my own soul before I began to preach. That's exactly what Paul is doing Paul is going up and down going, I was a blasphemer. I was a persecutor. I was a violent aggressor. And I don't think Paul ever had the feeling that when this happened, I don't think Paul ever thought for once that I chose Christ, but Paul knew that Christ chose him. Think about that. You know why? You know, you know what you call that when Christ chooses Paul or Christ chooses us? Let me give you a word or a couple words what that is. Ready for this, folks? It's called amazing grace. That's what it's called, amazing grace. I had a friend tell me this one time. He says, whatever you don't turn into praise will turn into pride. When any of us ever think that it's because of us, that God chose us because we have something to offer to him, I'm telling you this, I have to remind myself, God, it is amazing grace. One of our staff sent me something on the history of the song Amazing Grace, and they said to me, they said, you probably know all of this, and of of what John Newton wrote when he wrote Amazing Grace. And what's amazing is this, is that I knew most of the story except one thing, I didn't know the original title of Amazing Grace. Because when it was first written, this song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. You ready for this? The very first, this this is the, the very first title for Amazing Grace, that came later, are these words, faith's review and expectation. What? That was it. Faith's review and expectation was the original title of Amazing Grace. Let me just tell you this. If religious people want to call it that, then then, then, take it from just some common guy that spits a lot. It's Amazing Grace. That's what it is. It's not faith's review and expectation. It's amazing grace. I hear people all the time say they found God. Can I just help you? God wasn't lost. You didn't find him, he found you. That's what he did. It's amazing grace that he found us. He chose us. That's what Acts 9 is all about. It's Paul, the blasphemer, the persecutor, the violent aggressor. And God finding him. Taking that violent man and beginning to call his name in Acts 9 verse 4 and say, Saul, Saul, his original name, why are you persecuting me? And I have to tell you this. Listen, he really does know your name. He is speaking to you right now. He loves you, and he's calling you today. And some of you are sitting here, and he's picking you out of a crowd. This morning, you know what God did? He picked 54 people out of a crowd and said, I know your name. In the building, 33 hands went up to say, I want to be born again. Online, you ready for this? Online, 21 hands went up online, and they typed in, 54 people heard their named by the holy spirit that's called amazing grace that's what god does you know what we call that when god calls the name of a blasphemer persecutor and a violent aggressor you know what we call that we call it this it's the adoption of god which means you weren't born into the family of god god chose you to be part of the family of god he adopted you that's what it is And some people people see adoption as some type of like second rate thing. Adoption is amazing. When I was reading the story about adoption, one of the funny stories is this. There was a kid being teased, an adopted boy in sixth grade being teased for being adopted. They said all the kids would come, you don't even have a real father. You're adopted. That's not your real parents. And finally the kid couldn't take it anymore. He said this. He says, let me tell you something. He said, My father chose me. Your father got stuck with you. (laughs) Let me just tell you something. He chose us. Can you lift your hands and say, Thank you, God, for choosing us today? Hallelujah. Number two, let's talk about the present. What is that? I can't believe God would use me. I'm thankful that God would adopt me, God would call my name, God would know my past. But number two, I can't even believe that he would use me. Listen to what Paul said. He said, I thank Jesus Christ our Lord who has strengthened me because he has considered me faithful, putting me into service. And then these, these next two words, even though, even though I was a former blasphemer, I was a former persecutor, I was an aggressor. It was not, folks, this is so important. It was not that Jesus forgave him. But what he was saying was, Jesus, trust me with, 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 with something that's so valuable to him. I, I, before we put this on the screen, I want you to get this. Because this thing just lived in me on Friday night. As I, thought, as I kept reading this verse, it, it, it couldn't have become more clear. Listen to this. God would trust Paul with his most valuable possession on the planet, the church, after he has been the worst enemy to it. Think of that. He says, you have ravaged my church. You've killed people. But I'm going to trust you to write letters. I'm going to trust you to start churches. I'm going to trust you to pastor churches. I'm going to trust you with letters that will go on. Think about this for a moment. How amazing is that? How amazing that God would trust him with the very thing that he persecuted and abused. What kind of God is that? It's a God with amazing grace. That's the kind of God he is. Let me give you a side note here for a second. When I read the story in Luke 15 of the prodigal son, there is one item I can't, I can't seem to get over the hurdle of the father on this, the, the, the generosity of the father. That boy that was at a pig pen, that boy that took his inheritance, that boy that squandered his inheritance comes back to the father's house, and this is what it said. That father put a robe on him. That father put new shoes on him. That father gave him a meal, a fatted calf. Folks, look at me. But the part I don't get is he put a ring on his finger. I don't get that. You know what the ring was? It was the American Express and the Visa card. Because in order to buy anything, they would take the ring with the family crest on it or the, the family signature and they would emboss it on the on the wax to make sure if you're buying something. He was giving him the credit card. I wanted to go, whoa, 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 don't don't do that. He just abused the money. He just gave it away. He just he just took it and literally just squandered all of his savings and you would trust him again folks you know what we call that amazing grace that's not faith's review and expectation that's called amazing grace that's what that is think of it god would go to that pro- god that father would go to the prodigal I'm gonna trust you with the thing that you abuse, the finances. Paul, I'm gonna trust you with a church that you messed up. How about Peter? Peter, for the very city that you denied me three times to a little girl, you know what, Peter? I'm gonna have you preach the first sermon in Acts chapter two. We serve an amazing God. We serve a God that Paul is just standing back going, what in the world is he doing? What, what in the world is he doing? I can't even believe that he does this because Paul was not only Saved, Get this. But because this touched him, he had to serve. He wasn't... We we are saved to serve, folks. That's why Paul was going. He said, presently, he said, if this is what he's done, how can I just sit in a church? I've got to touch people's life with this. I can't just take it in and just go, thank you, God, for setting me free with this amazing grace. I've got to begin to thank you also for now giving me the opportunity to serve people. Thursday night I was with the choir and I was talking to one couple that is serving in our connect groups, helping marriages around the country. And I was listening to their stories of how God is using them. I was so blessed by this precious couple that is, that is not only saved, but serving in the choir and serving, leading a marriage connect group. But one of the other stories that blew me away was Sam's story. Sam leads a connect group was for police officers that they pray each day together. Police officers in the five boroughs, they started a connect group. And, and I have to say this, um, I, I, was, I hugged Sam this morning and thanked him. He just came up to me out of the clear blue. He says, would you pray for my boy today? I said, of course. And, and I had a chance to pray with 12-year-old Jaden. He said, today, this is Sam. He goes, today, 12-year-old Jaden Became born again today. It was the first time he ever prayed that prayer. He said he became... And I'm just going, Sam, this is the blessing of the Lord. For all that you're doing, God's taking care of your own family. And that little boy, man, I just... I had a chance to pray with that little guy today and so thankful for him. But I heard the story about Sam's group. One of the most precious people, some of the precious people that are serving, saved and serving in our church is Mickey and Octavia. Mickey is in law enforcement, and Mickey has worked on security assignments, Octavia, in other areas of ministry. They have three small children, and at the end of the summer, Mickey contacted COVID, and he was placed in an ICU, and the medical personnel wasn't even sure if Mickey was going to make it. We're saved to serve. That connect group went into action. The officers connect group, arranged prayer meetings three times a day, Monday through Friday, one time on Saturday and Sunday, and they started praying for Mickey all over New York. Even at one point, another connect group, which is the parents' prayer group, said, we'll also take an hour during the week, and we'll start to pray for them every Thursday evening. And folks, on Thursday morning, November 4th, a few weeks ago, the hallways were lined with police officers as Mickey walked out of that hospital for the very first time. (laughs) You know what that is? We're saved to serve. Not just to sit in a service, but to serve people. That's why when you begin to go on tsc.nyc forward slash groups, we're not just asking you to join one, we're asking you to serve people in that. We're asking, that's exactly what Sam did. And what, to see what God has done. Can I, can I do this today for just a moment? One of, I just heard one of our Connect Group leaders who is down south, her name is Carol. And I've asked permission to tell this story. And Carol just got... I found out she's leading all of these these widows and finds out that there was some abnormalities and they want to do a mammogram for her. And I said, we're going to pray for Carol right Can we serve right now? Can we serve in prayer? Father, in the name of Jesus for Carol, as she's watching online, or whether she's watching or not, thank you for that 79-year-old woman that is serving God from down south. And I pray right now for health. I pray for healing. I thank you that we are not ashamed to pray that Dr. Jesus would touch Carol right now and we believe that in your name and everybody said amen and amen. Here's what's amazing. God forgave Paul for what he did to his church and then gave him access to the very people that he hurt. That's amazing to me because this is what God does. This is the miracle of the gospel. Let me close with this. It wasn't just past and present. Past, God's grace, God's grace took a violent man, a persecutor and a blasphemer and showed me grace. But then he would put me into service, he would allow me to handle the people that I so brutally abused, that he would put me in charge of churches and writing letters to churches thousands of years later. We're reading one of those letters from the the former blasphemer, persecutor and violent aggressor and it's amazing to see. But Paul says there's a future that I want you to think about. The future is this, and this is where we close. If God can get a hold of me, then God can get a hold of anyone. That's what he was saying. Let let me read it to you, because I I want you to see the words in verse 16. It says this, and yet for this reason. Those are the words. For this reason. What is the reason, Paul? I found mercy, so that in me, as the worst, that's the word foremost. As the worst, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his patience as an example for those who would believe, who would believe, that's future tense, who would believe in him for eternal life. He said, this is the reason God was using me as a, the word is example, he says, it's another word for prototype. He was saying what happened in him was kind of an outline of what God can do in anyone. Paul was saying, if he saved me, no matter what you've done today, he go, Paul goes, I'm the prototype that the worst of the worst can be saved. You know what's amazing? It's this. Everything on that list, Paul did, he forgave. Here's what's crazy. Paul did the damage. God paid the bill. Paul did the damage. And God paid the bill. I was, um... was eating in a restaurant. Um... With a friend. And we were finishing up. And the waitress was, I I was kind of signaling to the waitress, it's time to go. Like we're going to hold up the finger and then she brings the bill and everything. So I watched her coming over and she, and then I just watched her. Like like she thought of something and walked away. And then she came back and I said, "I, I need the bill. And this is what she said to me. That it's already been taken care of somebody paid your bill today i said what folks i ate that day like big time it wasn't a salad day it was like i knew where we were going to eat and i'm going like i'm going to eat good today and so that person didn't take care of like oh here's the appetizer um we'll cover the appetizer I did the debt. And and when she told me, like, it's all covered, I I felt helpless. I was going like, well, can I I pay the tip? She goes, the tip was already taken care of. You don't even have to take care of the tip. I was going, can I do something? Can I work in the kitchen? Can you do something here? And she goes, there's nothing you can do. It's all been taken care of. Here's what's amazing, I ate the food, I did the damage, and somebody paid for me. Boy, that sounds like redemption. That sounds like the story of the Apostle Paul. He said, I did the damage, but somebody paid the bill for me. And that is nothing less than the gospel. Folks, can I just tell you today, if you're sitting here today, I don't care what you've done, none of you, I don't care if you go like, I'm a pretty good person, it's still not enough to pay the sin bill. It's still not enough. Your goodness, your good works, I provide for my family. I've I've got a good job. I haven't hurt anyone. That's good. Mark Mark it on the bill. Still not enough to pay for it. Can't pay for it. But there is one that came down and pay for us, and it's called amazing grace. That he came down and paid for every single one of us today. This is what's amazing, that God came and is asking you and I to experience this. There is enough grace here today as we close to change anyone. There's enough grace here, and he is calling your name today. Just listen, he's calling your name today. Regardless of your past, he knows what you've done, but the grace of our Lord is rising higher than your sin today. In fact, before I pray for you, I want you to listen to the verses again. I wanna read it out of a paraphrased version. When I get to that last verse, there's something there that stuck out to me. Let me read it to you. Paul says, I'm so grateful to Christ Jesus for making me adequate to this work. He went out on a limb to trust me with this ministry. The only credentials I brought to serving was I was invective, I went on witch hunts, and I was arrogant. I was treated mercifully because I didn't know what I was doing and didn't know who I was doing it to. That's why Paul said, when Jesus calls him, he says, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Grace mixed with faith and love poured over me. Hallelujah. And into me and all because of Jesus and he says this here's a word you can take to heart and depend on Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners and here it comes folks I'm proof public sinner number one of someone who could never have made it apart from sheer mercy and now he shows me off evidence of his endless patience here it comes To those, I love this part, right on the edge of trusting him forever. If you are sitting here or watching and you are on the edge going, could he forgive me? Does he love me? And you're on the edge. Listen, balcony, main floor online. And you're right on the edge. This is my job today. becomes the greatest decision you can ever make. I'm here to push you over the edge, to get you to a place to go. He loves you. He can forgive you. His grace goes higher than your sin today. That's what he's come to do. He has paid that bill. How how does this work, Pastor Tim? Jesus called the relationship being born again. That's the John 3 relationship. These are Jesus' words. He said this, no one can see the kingdom of God What's in the kingdom of God? Forgiveness, eternal life, the blessings of God, unless they are born again. Pastor Tim, what does that mean? Now remember, these are Jesus's words, not ours. What do these words mean? He was saying, just as you have a first birth, you need a second birth. You need a second birth. What what do you mean by that? That just as you were born physically in maybe a hospital, you need to be born spiritually on the inside, and this is the work of the Holy Spirit. Well, how does that happen, Pastor Tim? It is as simple as A, B, C. Nothing would thrill the heart of God more than to see people in this place and online join those 54 that have just become born again this morning. Those letters mean something. A, it's admitting that I'm a sinner. That's what Paul did. I'm a blasphemer. I'm a persecutor. I'm a violent aggressor. Sin means that we're all broken, including me on the inside. I can't fix myself. There's not a promise you can make to fix yourself. There's not a program you can go to to get yourself fixed on the inside. They may be able to stop an addiction. They may be able to even hold back some some behavior. But I'm here to tell you this. The sin problem, you can't fix it. There's not a church, a priest, a pastor. There's not a program or a promise you can make to fix it. Only one person can fix it. It's Jesus himself. He's the only one that can fix it. He's the only one that can fix it. Well, pastor, then what, what, how, how did that happen? That's the B word, believe. Believe that God sent his son to fix something that I couldn't fix on my own. Jesus would be God's gift to this world that when we celebrate Christmas, and in the, in the, in, believe it or not, in a month, almost a month to come, when we celebrate Christmas, I'm here to tell you, it's not some man that puts presents under a tree. It's the God man that hung on the tree that's what Christmas is about that he gave a gift for us a gift for you what, he was say, what was he saying because some of you are going like how do you get to heaven well I'm a good person I haven't heard anybody well folks if that's the case then why would God have to send his own son if you can get yourself there if you can get yourself there well I'm listen I'm, I'm, I'm a Baptist or I'm a Jew or I'm a Muslim or I'm, folks those are great listen that's fine that doesn't get you to heaven though that doesn't get you to heaven. What? Are you serious? It doesn't. You can just say I'm a baptist, I'm a man. You can use any title you want. That won't get you there. It is trusting Jesus and believing in him that he is the only one that died the death you should have died, lived the life you couldn't live to give us reward that we didn't deserve, which is called heaven and forgiveness. And finally it's saying you are See, I confess you as Lord. That word, as Paul started off that whole epistle, I want to thank Christ Jesus, our Lord. You know what he was saying? You're the boss now. That's Romans ten nine. If we confess them with our mouth and believe in our heart, if we confess them with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That's what the Bible says. But that Lord part... It's easy to say, but man, it's us going. You don't just get Sundays at one o'clock. You get every day. Religion wants you to think that once you come in the building, you're going to be a good boy and listen to God. God says, that's religion. Relationship says, I want you every single day. And today that can happen. I want you to close your eyes and bow your heads. If you're watching online, this is a moment for you that God's going to change you from the inside out and you're gonna have the opportunity. I'm gonna, I wanna pray a prayer. There's nothing magic about this prayer, but it just incorporates what we just talked about so we can begin to start a brand new journey with God today. It's the most important question I can ever ask you. Have you been born again? And today, it's you accepting that God paid my bill. There's nothing I can do to pay that bill. The sin bill has to be paid by God himself, and today he has paid it. Will you receive it? Are you still in the kitchen washing dishes? Today, I'm asking you to experience amazing grace. Because of protocol and COVID issues and everything else, I won't make you stand. I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but I am going to ask you to do this. If you're here today, balcony, main floor, and even watching online and say, Pastor Tim, when you pray that prayer, I want to be part of that. I want to start a journey with God today. I want to be born again. I'm gonna experience today amazing grace. Here's my promise. I'm not gonna blindside you, You won't stand, won't call you forward, I won't embarrass you, but I am gonna ask you to do this with every head bowed and every eye closed. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'll be the only one looking. If you say, Pastor Tim, when you pray that prayer, and we're all gonna pray it together, I wanna be part of it. I asked in the last service, if you wanted to be part of it, I asked them to raise their hand. I'm gonna ask you in 10 seconds to raise your hand. But if you're here today and say, Pastor Tim, when you pray that prayer, would you put me in that? I want to start that journey today. I want to I be part of that with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you be- want that today with no hesitation, hold your hand up right now. Hold it up as high as you can because I want to make sure I see it. Keep them up. There's one, two, three, four, five. Keep them up. I want to make sure six. 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, keep them up balcony, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, keep them up, 32, 33, praise God, 34, you can put your hands down today, thank God today, if you're watching online, this is your opportunity, folks, this excites me, come on, can we all pray this together, come on, say this with me, dear Lord Jesus I believe you're the son of God I believe that on the cross you took my sin my shame and my guilt and you died for it you faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven a purpose on earth and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. Okay, this is my favorite part. Come on, say it with me loud. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is my home. In Jesus' name. Come on, can we thank God today for that? Hallelujah. Thank you, God. I'm going to ask you right now to stand to your feet. You know what the joy is today when I think about what all that God has done? Here's here's what brings great joy to my heart. When I think of all those, almost 90 people responded today for the very first time to become born again. What an amazing day to see what God has done. Listen, I want us to get ready to close today. Can we just, I'm gonna ask you to do one thing for me. If you pray that prayer, if you pray that prayer, I just want you to text the word connect. Some of you are going like, well, I thought we texted connect if we're visiting. Well, we'll use that number for a lot and then we know what that's for. Then we're gonna send you some some tutorial videos take seven minutes each to get you started on that journey and we want to just welcome you to the family of god how many believe it's amazing grace that we're here today come on before we leave before we leave i just want to also say it's once again it's so great to have our general overseer pastor carter conlin in the house today come on can we sing this before we go come on let's sing with freddie and then we're going to conclude thanks so much for listening We hope you've enjoyed this message, and be sure to subscribe so you can receive new messages each week. Visit tsc.nyc for all the latest info on how you can stay connected. Also, don't forget that you can follow us on social media on all major platforms at Times Square Church. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great week.